HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumser. Stacy, you know, you know, if if this was the 1940s, you'd have that hard luggage, and there'd be stamps from all of the countries you visited in the last last two months. You are an intrepid world traveler now. I am, I am, but but I will have to say, you know, compared to many of our colleagues, you know, this this is the first time where I've been back to back to back. Um, uh, and it has definitely been a lot of traveling for me personally. We know a lot of our friends travel that much on a regular basis. So my um, thoughts go out to them because this was a hard month. I, I loved seeing. I mean, I was in Asia, Singapore, uh, all through Europe, um, and multiple ends of the United States in the last two months. Um, and I love seeing everything. But I am really, really glad to be home right now. <laughs> I love to say my backyard looks like the best thing in the world to me at this point. So I will, I will take it. Sunshine and and 94 degree weather in North Carolina is not bad at all today. So, and how yeah, about you? Yeah. Are you home? I I am home. I I am doing the research for this year's uh, report, and it means I, I think I've been complaining about this for a while. I am I am in demo land. I've I've done a hundred and four demos and I have 20 more before I'm done. And when's the deadline? Uh, Is it next week? Are you wrapping no, the up? Deadline, the, dead, the deadline was tomorrow. And so that means <laughs> that, that, that there are the, the hard, I'm not going to do anything more. You know, deadline was tomorrow. And so that means Monday and Tuesday filled right up. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> We had the same issue with the survey. Amy kept saying, well, we're done it. And then we'd get like five more people say, could we just get in less? And then we wait for a couple more days and we get in five more. There's always someone who wants to just scoot in under the wire. And you try as much to accommodate. We we, uh, we end up this year um, with as many as we had last year, a little, little, um, a little less hits and then click, but m- just as many overall responses to the survey. So, yeah, it's been a good – Everybody wants to get into into the, the research this year for both what you're doing, what we're doing, everyone else. It, it seems to be a good year for research. I think people are excited about the HR tech topic. Yeah, well, it's 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 evolving fairly quickly, right? And that's that's I think I think if you imagine that um, there's sort of two bookends to the overall set of research projects, you have one of them, and I have the other, right? You have the What's really happening in big tech across the board in exquisite detail? And I've got the what's happening at the very front end of things. Yeah, and, the frontier, where the market's heading, yeah. Yeah, and, and so so between the two between the two reports it's a quite a um um uh, comprehensive view of a very fractured and complicated marketplace. That's a very good way to describe it. Fractured and complicated, I think, you know, the the one thing that I have learned in the last, um, you know, year doing as much traveling as I'm doing this year is that, you know, our view from the United States is fractured and complicated. When you add the global complexity, which I've always looked globally, but when you step outside of the U.S.-centric global view, right, that complexity becomes tenfold because, language becomes much more difficult. So the idea of what is artificial intelligence, what is an algorithm, what is 
engagement, what is performance management, changes dramatically from country to country and language to language, so it gets even more complex. So, so yes, it's very hard to, to sort of put all of this into a box that, that can make sense for anyone who's trying to make decisions right now. I was I was speaking with a company yesterday, and this is this is kind of an example of how broad the range is. I was speaking with a company yesterday, whose theory about jobs and how you figure out whether or not somebody will be good at the job is that there are about two thousand jobs, and that the world should see them all as sort of the same job, and yeah. then. And then with these standards of what a job is, then you can figure out who should fit and who shouldn't fit, and those people will fit anywhere. Um, and at the other extreme are more sophisticated players like um, uh, Google and uh, Burning Class, whose idea is that there's no such thing as an identical job. There are loose top-level categories, but but technology permeates these jobs over time for a variety of reasons. And what you want to look at is how that complexity affects your um, particular workplace. And you couldn't have two different views about what the raw nature of reality is sort of right. (laughs) One, one thinks it's fixed and the other thinks it's atomic. Yeah. And and I think it's, and, and the interesting thing on that is I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong in that either, right? I think for some organizations, the the simplification down to 2,000 job types gives them room to improve, right? And for other organizations, that would be so constricting would actually probably have a, a negative impact on their company. So they've got to look at it. So I think the other conversation here is, you know, all of this, effort, I guess, into sort of categorizing and thinking about the idea of definitions is valuable in its own way, but it is definitely hard to figure out what's right for you individually, right, as an HR professional or or a company or an HR tech uh, investment, right? Yeah, it's hard not to see that spectrum as a measure of how much time and energy you want to put into your people, mm-hmm. right? So, so at the everything is fixed end of the spectrum – well, if that's right, then everything's a Lego block, and people are Lego blocks, and you can build stuff with Lego blocks. And at the other end of the spectrum is people are complex and varied and diverse, and you can put people together in all sorts of combinations and get all sorts of things done, and the hardest thing is predicting what happens. Um, and so, so one is a we really want to understand our people point of view. And the other is a, um, we really want to understand the capital structure of the company point of view. Yeah. yeah. And I will tell you, I, I myself included, uh, many people loved playing with their Lego blocks in the day. I don't think that's a bad way to, to look at things in some sense. The other way is how you create a character in your uh, um, cartoon called Sporky, Right. <laughs> You can combine right. a lot of different things, and it comes up to become what you would call a a, a, a Toy Story character, right? That, that obviously <laughs> on my mind this week. It's been out a lot. I was with a lot of kids over the weekend, so <laughs> forgive me. Oh, oh, that's funny. You know, you know, it reminds me. This is this is an argument we've had since the day we met. Um, <laughs> um, it does does benchmarking matter? Right. That's the yes. that's the uh, 
the, the real question there. Does benchmarking matter and who gets value out of it? That's um, right. That's right. We we have we've argued over that since since the very first day we met. It's just very true. I don't know that we've answered that question yet. So. <laughs> oh, I, God! If we get to an answer, what'll happen to our conversation? I know. <laughs> well, we have a lot of other stuff though going on this week that I think will continue to spark the argument. I want and I do want to get to some of the the conversations because this conversation we're having about sort of the the spectrum of technology and where everything fits. Um, is being played out quite a bit in the the news this week and in the the type of announcements I think that are being made. Um, we've got a lot of investments going on this week. Uh, Workforce Software got an additional investment in their technology. If anybody knows them, their workforce management time and um, attendance application. Um, we also have Degreed raising seventy five million. So going from that technical workforce management side to someone as sort of futuristic thinking about learning and development as degree to degree to raise $75 million investment capital, which added to what they already have, which I think brought them up to like $140 million or something like that, they stated. Um, and we also saw another investment this week of $6.3 million in MentorClick, which is a mentoring and engagement platform. So again, couldn't be any farther on the spectrums of different types of applications and their focus on your organizations, but lots of investment going on as well. Um, if we get time, we also um, saw this week the Global Payroll Complexity Index come out from Northgate Arenzo and the GPMI Group, which is a global um, payroll international organization. Um, I always love this report. It comes out biannually. It's one of probably, I, I don't always give, you know, vendor reports are sometimes can be, I think, a little bit self-serving in many cases, and all of them, you know, have their different reasons for being put together. But I always appreciate this one because I think it does give a level of awareness to anyone who's working in payroll around the complexity of changes happening country by country. And so they've done a really interesting job. We can talk about that. And then I think before we get done today, we really need to talk about what's going on in the artificial intelligence space, John, because you've been doing a lot of um, demos, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Prion, which is an artificial intelligence um, enterprise tool for workloads, raised $20 million in the last two weeks. Um, someone from the IBM Watson team previously um, came there and founded that organization. It's worth talking about. And Amazon launches their personalized um, services, a fully managed AI power recommendation service that you can now sort of basically build into any of the applications you're building in Amazon Web Services, um, which makes the case, I think, that you can um, reuse or repeat something like personalized recommendations uh, in an algorithm. And so lots of, of different ways people are thinking about investing money in technology and taking time to think about uh, the HR technology as well as workforce technology. Um, what do you think about this Amazon piece? That's the first one I thought of when I was reading this for you. Is this reasonable? Can someone actually take the web services, the tools that Amazon has created to personalize buying a book or you know going into their website and, and creating something, tie that into a little package, give it to you so you can put it on your developed application or your developed tool set that you're creating on their web, on their cloud environment, and reuse it as quickly as you would um, an API package for connecting an integration of two softwares. What do you think about something like that? So, so this, is what, this is what the big players are all trying to do in general with AI. They're trying to, to build repeatable processes. Um, and um, 
So when you look at you look at why does why does Google build tools that beat chess games, right, or, or become Go masters? The reason they do it is because they think that they can um, come to understand how machine learning works in ways that can accelerate the machine learning activities of their clients while having a smaller requirement for data than, than you do for the big, big projects. And, you know, the, 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 there's, there's a theme running through all of AI, which is, that, which is that bias gets embedded in the algorithms themselves based on what they were designed to do. And uh-huh. that 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 you you sort of get outcomes from AI that have ghosts of the original purpose of the tool, and um, the, so the Amazon recommendation service will have that um, consequence, um, and and you might ask yourself when the last time was that you bought something that Amazon recommended. Um, <laughs> It, it doesn't really work in a one-to-one way. There, there, there's something about it that's interesting, but it's not, for me, very successful, really. Um, their standards of what's successful are something that you might want to know. Maybe, maybe if, if it works one out of 30 times, it's a huge boost to their revenue. I, I, I don't know. They, they may have a very, very, very low bar for success. And, and so, so if, if that's the case and you use their personalization um, engine and you can tolerate that level of success, great. Um, it certainly is the case that there are a lot of companies in HR tech who are spending their time working on recommendation tools. Yeah. Um, With, without a doubt, personalization has been definitely the theme I've heard all through the events this year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, and so, so this will be tempting, but, but the personalization of an experience for a human being um, at work, or in the choosing of work, or in the uh, choosing of people with whom to network, that's very different from buying a book, right? And so. So what you'd have to do if you were a person thinking about using the Amazon services for HR functions is, is you'd, have to, you'd have to have a good grasp of whether or not you thought um, the Amazon tool could handle the complexity of human relationships. You know, you know, it's interesting to say how often does Amazon actually recommendations work in that low threshold conversation because – you know, in a marketing and buying world, 20, 30% can, like you said, make a big billions of dollars of difference. Holy in moly, a, if you could hit 20% in marketing, yeah. you could be Jeff Bezos. Exactly. <laughs> but in the in the human world, in the, in the world we're talking about, can you imagine only getting 20% of your hires right, right? <laughs> that would That would – kill a company. I mean, it's bad enough that I think I think that the actual number is like 50% or something like that right now, right? Yep, that, that's actual, been sort of thrown around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the actual number is ridiculously low, but this could take it lower. Yeah, yeah this could take it lower. Well, and that's, you know, that that was the thing that sort of threw me on this one is, I mean, I love the idea of, of, of 
services that can be wrapped up and sort of bundled. It makes the world a much more usable place for people who are non-scientific. And you know, you read through some of the language in this you know, conversation, and a lot of it has to do with, well, why should it just be people who understand Python and understand you know, programming languages who get to be data scientists? Can we give the data to people who have it on a, on a sort of more regular basis through tools like this, through, through the acquisitions that we just saw last week of Looker and Tableau and some of the largest firms as well. Um, I think the answer comes down to you, you can give it to them, but if they don't understand at least some level of the underlying biases, risks, challenges with that data set, or those, what those tools were trained on from a data set perspective, then you, you do run some, some real risks. And these aren't developing things for I'm just sort of personally making that decision. What these tools are for is developing software, which then will go out to thousands, millions of additional people in the different ways, right, and be used. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a really interesting thing to see how does something like this play out when they're saying that this will reduce the need for training, you know, data sets. And that, to me, is, is probably the scariest thing because training data sets are what we talk about all the time, right? Yeah, and well, so there's an underlying, there's an underlying view of the world that Amazon has, which is that everything is an object in the supply chain, right? That's the, that is the Amazon point of view. Everything is an object in the supply chain. Um, and... Um, what you want to be really careful of is treating people like that. Um, yeah. the, the idea that you can move people around because they have an array of characteristics um, is uh, frightening. Yeah. Frightening. So, so we'll see. It'll be something to keep an eye on because I think we'll start to see software that's built with some of these tool sets. Um, and you know, in their comment here is that they're that they are doing this in select regions. So they're so they're rolling it out with different, I think, capabilities with the idea that it is personalized by region or by area as well. So I'd have to read deeper to understand that a little bit more. But um, I'm I'm st it still it still scares me quite a bit to understand this might be something that would be added to a, a, an application. Um, at some level. But we also have someone like Prion. So Prion raised $20 million, and they're automating enterprise workloads with artificial intelligence. Now, this is a North Carolina organization here in Raleigh, my personal hometown, So, but I don't know anything about them. It's, you know, I had just saw this you know, conversation come up on my news feeds. I was like, well, this is really interesting. $20 million is a lot of money for a Series A funding. Um, and it looks like what they're doing is they are basically, you know, aggregating, and we've seen this done before, but they're aggregating your work environment. Um, they, they say they fill the market space between emerging technologies that are difficult and expensive to implement and those that are designed for simple rules-based services. So they're somewhere between sort of an RPA, robotic process automation, and sort of a rules workflow tool. But they gather up your, your work environments and then sort of automate that at some level. You know, is this another place where we're going to see more artificial intelligence, and, and is this more likely to come out with better, I guess, outcomes, do you think, than decision-making types of artificial intelligence? So, so this kind of thing, what Prion does is it collects, I, I don't know where the limits are, right? I don't know if it actually um, investigates email, for instance, but, but it collects data from around the organization in a variety of sources, um, 
and then purports to be able to tell you anything that you want to know. And, and the problem is that most companies don't have all of the data that they wish they had. Right. And so, and so what you're liable to see with something like prion is that, that it doesn't really get you anything more than you already have. Right. The, the thing that the place where businesses really have problems with data is not understanding the data that they have. There are insights in the data that you already have that are that are missing. But it's <clears throat> it's not really the case that that any technology available currently can give you enough insight about the future so that it makes a huge difference. Right, the, the the tools may make incremental differences, but they don't make breakthrough differences. Um, what makes break, breakthrough differences is having a comprehensive set of data. And so, what you run into with something like this is that in order to make it work really well, you have to go do all the stuff that you have been too busy to do up till now. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And so, so good in theory. And I, li- I really like a good theory. It's really good in theory, but it may not be as good in practice. Yeah. And, and which is it's very similar to how we think about technology, right? People are like, well, if I invest in the technology, it will, you know, provide me with the reports and the insights that I need, right? Well, then that's not the case we found. Now we're on 30-plus years of enterprise applications being built inside organizations or deployed inside organizations, and what we're quickly finding, you know, across the board when you look at the data set is that the number one issue within a year or two of implementing any system, even today, is reporting, right? And the reporting is an issue most of the time because the people aren't putting the data into the system. So, And it still comes back to you need to track the information. You need to do the hard work of change management. You need to do the hard work of making sure people understand why they're using that tool, whether it's paper-based or technology itself, right? And then the technology can do the job, right? Right. Well, and then, you know, to, to layer on top of that, what what's starting to be clear is that these are complex measurement regimes that we're talking about. And what people do when they find complex measurement regimes is they start figuring out how to game it. Um, and so, and so the, the, the stuff that's been in the news this week is about, um, uh, I think it's New York City where the crime rate dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped because they were measuring it very, very intensely. Um, and it turned out that what was happening was that policing was going increasingly off the books. Right? So the best, the yeah. best way to have a low crime rate is to not report crimes. Um, and so, so if you can solve the crime problem on the streets in some more um, physical way, um, and you don't have to report it, well, that's what happens. So, so the demand for a decreasing crime rate based on measurement statistics produces this crazy response as people try to meet their KPAs, KP, what are KPIs, KPIs, yep, yep. Um, and, and so, and so, I think you'll start to see that too in, in these things. 
Well, I think the gaming conversation is actually really, really valuable here. I, I think I don't know where it was this week. I, I read something where someone was putting out something. It was a great new resource that someone had, but they were saying, you know, this system can't be gamed. You know, it's 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 just a list. Well, any list or anything that has order or some sort of search capability to it can be gamed because you're trying to be the first person or the first thing that someone sort of goes to or accesses, right? You know, it, 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 am I wrong in thinking that? Is, 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 are there areas where we're just putting data out there that it, that it can't be gamed at all in, in some sense? Oh, I just, I just read an article this morning about, about people who are issuing phony news releases because the hedge fund um, investment algorithms scan all of the news releases and so right and and so you could move stock price up and down with fake news releases now um right so 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 no no there is not such a thing as a system that can't be gamed yeah yeah. it's it's the world that we live in are really good human beings are really good at particularly American human beings are really good at understanding what the rules are and then figuring out how to beat them. Yes, we, we really, we really are. We're, you know, and it's, it's fascinating. I, you know, so I follow some of the gaming market because my son who's, you know, in his twenties, but, but heavily involved, like most, I think uh, kids his age are. Um, and yes, he is still considering a kid because he's my son. I get it. He's twenties and adult. That's what my other uh, older son tells me. But the idea of, of, the amount of investment that goes into gaming mechanics, right? It's the, the, the psychology and the marketing and the, the data analysis in that world rivals anything I've seen in what we're seeing in this space of HR technology or enterprise technologies. That industry knows the player and the human being at a level that I just haven't seen, you know, in, in a lot of other technologies at, at some level. And, and I don't, th- I think a lot of us are ignoring how just necessary it is to the human psyche, right? In some cases to feel like we're winning at something all the time. Right. Or I, I don't know if it's necessary to the human psyche, but it certainly is addictive to the human psyche. That's um, a better way to put it. Yeah. Right, 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 because it's a dopamine release, um, and 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 one way of thinking about the gaming industry is that it's all about um, generating reliable dopamine releases. I mean, that's why I get addicted to stupid little games. Um, but <laughs> but but this larger thing about how do you beat the accounting system, or how do you um, uh, appear to have your EEO um, numbers right when you really don't have any intention of doing that, or um, how do you meet the letter of the homeowners association regulations while doing exactly what you want to do um, is is a kind of a time honored American approach to thing. I, don't, I, I imagine it's true in other countries as well, where where Having a set of rules doesn't necessarily mean that they get followed, and that's 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 more of the kind of gaming of the system that 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 I think they're running into in AI, figuring out yeah. how to beat the um, game for your advantage is is a, a pretty common thing for people to try. 
Well, and and you know, you know, whether you're talking at the sort of most basic level or the highest level, you know, there, you know, this gaming conversation, I think, is something that, if it's taken into consideration, you should you should build around it to some extent, right? Or or, or build in some some safety checks for it, right? Is is that feasible? I mean, in the, in the work you're doing with companies, you know, can they sort of build some some roadblocks or some double checks for gaming of the system in some way? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, so, so there's a great article that I happen to have written um, um, on the HR Examiner a couple of weeks ago about how to game a retention system, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's what are the things that you need to do if you want your management to treat you like you're a flight risk and give, give you a faster track on raises and promotions. <laughs> What's that razor edge? So it doesn't feel like you want to leave. They don't want you to, but they want you to think you're a flight risk, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And so, you know, so there are things that I, I don't understand how you would control in, in that particular case somebody changing their LinkedIn profile so that it would trigger the monitor that you have that looks at whether or not LinkedIn profiles are being changed <laughs> um, because they want to signal to you that they need a raise. Um, right, and and there are twenty things you can do like that um, to cause the automated system that's looking at whether or not you're a flight risk to um, think that you are, and give the company the opportunity to decide what to do. Well, and and I guess some people would say, yeah, but if you're doing those things or thinking that way, you might be right more of a flight risk, anyways. Maybe there's some some validity in that value sort of process, right? A a more subtle versus direct way of saying, I I believe I need a raise. But then the question becomes for those who don't know how to play the game, right? And that's the other piece of this, which is, um, so then this gets very, very jaded along with almost everything else that we see in the, in the business market in some cases, which is who knows how to play the game versus who doesn't know how to play the game. Um, That's what I tell my kids all the time is that, um, you know, a lot of what's going on in the technology space is, you will have to be part of the process or you will be out of the process, right? Yeah, and 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 the uh, there may be a, a kind of a diversity and privilege issue here. I, I I don't I don't know. Those things are really hard for me to see because I sit at the sort of the pinnacle of privilege. Um, um but but the idea that that a system exists for me to play in rather than being a set of constraints that are immovable. Huh? That way that way of seeing what a workplace is like, I I I I think that can be taught and transmitted and I think that almost everybody would be better off if they understood that that where they are is in a world where it's important to want to optimize your financial out output um, um but but i don't know if you can teach that i think that's a, a a question that bedevils parents and has for maybe all of time i i would agree with that well we have rushed through our 30 minutes once again uh gone in a, a hundred different directions john from a 
different uh, discussions about artificial intelligence to gaming systems to uh, where the market is heading from an investment perspective. We didn't get to talk about payroll, but I do want to just reemphasize that if anybody hasn't had a chance to see it, if you're looking for the complexity of various payroll systems, this is just a, my own shout-out because I use their report on a pretty regular basis when I'm looking at complexity indexes. I don't know of anyone else who does it. Um, the GPMI and, NP, um, and uh, Northgate Renzo Global Payroll Complexity Report came out just a few weeks ago. I think it's worth downloading. Um, it's been a good week this week. Lots of good stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we should underline that um, uh, the investment in AI continues. It's it appears to be um, moving away from algorithmic hiring and into some of the rest of, um, of the HR conceptual workload. Um, and um, um, there are really interesting things happening at Workforce Software. Well, hopefully we will um, get a chance to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that you're finding in all of your demos once you've got a chance to think about it, pull it all together in some semblance or form over the next month or so. I know we'll, we're cleaning our data at CRC, so probably in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to share at least some early tidbits from some of this stuff. But, boy, it's just it's, it's a great time to be doing research in this space. So thank you for having the conversation, as always, John. Sure. Yeah, thank you, Stacey. It's been a great conversation, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. This has been HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser, and we really appreciate you listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Oh.